I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, this is Eric Hilton. You're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, I'm sitting with Eric Hilton. He is uh, one half of Thievery Corporation, and he's dropping his new solo album, Ceremony, later this month. If you like Thievery's music, you're going to love this one. It's uh, it's m- more great music out of this guy. And uh, in our conversation... He gives us really a masterclass in creative vision and how to stay focused on on what he's making and not get distracted by you know everything that's happening in the outside world. We talk about influences, both what to let in, what to keep out. Um, we get into uh, some great lessons on partnership. Um, he and his his partner Rob, uh, you know, have been hugely successful as as a group, and now. Um, are working on you know things on their own and we talk about a lot of those lessons and uh, so so many great lessons and just a great conversation I'm going to just jump into it right now well right on man I'm I'm excited to talk to you I appreciate you making time I've been uh, you know I don't know how much of my background you got from Lawrence but you know I was with Herb Magazine for many many years I know I remember yeah, I've been following you guys, you know, pretty much from the beginning and, and, you know, always loved your music. And, uh, and now I've been listening to the the new stuff, the solo stuff, and it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, better late than never. I'm, I'm really <laughs> enjoying myself, you know, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited to hear about that. I think, um, the, uh, you know, the ability to sustain a career, in in what you do right you know based on your your creativity and the the output that it takes is um it's a rare gift and achievement and and uh i'm sure not easy so i'm excited to talk about some of that cool um well right on well yeah if you don't mind i uh indulge me a little bit take me back to the beginning um do you remember the first record you ever bought for yourself yeah i do um it was in Potomac Village, Maryland, where strangely I just moved back to. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, just temporarily, but uh, it's that's another story. Um, but it was uh, "Axe Victim" by Bebop Deluxe. Why I bought the record. <laughs> the cover looked cool and okay. it was $2.99 and I bought it and I really liked it. And sure. uh, there, there are a couple good tracks on that record. It's very prog rock, yeah. um, kind of art prog rock. Um, yeah. 
all I had prior to that were like my mom's Beach Boys records and things like that. So I was probably like seven, you know. Really, really I mean, young. it's funny. <laughs> it's funny how you know. I think especially for our generation, just the role that artwork played, right? And uh, you know, especially you going into stores, and you know, most of the stores didn't have listening stations or anything like that at the time. That was kind of later. So, yeah. you know, you sort of had, you either knew the records you were going in for, or you had to really rely on the artwork. Um, yeah. The artwork told me on that one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Uh, well, funny. And so, and then how'd you get started making music? You know, I, I guess it came out of DJing. Uh, I was dabbling in DJing. Um, I got a, my big break. I was uh, sitting around uh, my home wondering what to do. And I, was dreaming of being a DJ and I had never DJed before um, in a club. And then five minutes later, this uh, British guy who I barely knew called me and said, Hey, right? you want to try out to be a DJ at this big club downtown. I thought that is the weirdest thing in the world. You know, <laughs> like he knew, he knew my taste in music. So he, he yeah. liked it, but I had never talked to him about DJing. So I felt like that was the universe talking to me in some way. And Oh, that's crazy. Went, did the, did the tryout, which was hilarious for the owner of the club, played like three records, it's like, okay, you're hired. And uh, so then I got that gig and I was all of a sudden a full-time DJ um, at 21 years old or 20 wow. years old, I don't remember. And, uh, you know, after a while, you just, you, you start feeling like you can make the music that you're playing. Sure. And, uh, you well, know, a lot of it was house music or, or early hip hop and, you know, it's not complicated to make that music. So if you get mm -hmm. the right gear and uh, and try hard enough, you can do it. So wh what was that first gig? Do you, do you remember what you played and what, what the reaction was and like the feeling of that night? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember playing, I remember being very, very nervous um, and I wasn't much of a beat matcher. So I was, I was really practicing all the time um, and I was getting better, but it was it was a downstairs gig, so it was more of like the the hangout. There was a dance floor, but it wasn't the main room, right? And uh, so that took the pressure off a little bit. But uh, a couple weeks later, the guy got sick on the weekend, and I had to play the main room, and then I was uh -huh. really sweating, man. But uh, you know that 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 hooked me. I mean, you know, I was playing the main room, and yeah, yeah. I kind of never looked back from there. Yeah, uh, that's so cool. What a, what a great. Uh... What a great story that, that just kind of fell on you. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was fun. Yeah. So uh, so then you, you start making music. What, you know, I'm interested um, in the kind of like early influences and how, you know, I I'm, I'm, I have an assumption that, you know, when, when you start out, those influences are so kind of heavy on, have, have such a big impact. And then yeah, over yeah. time, that relationship changes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so the, yeah, wh what were some of yeah, those influences um, and, and, and how has that changed, you know, y years later now? Um, well, when I started DJing, uh, you know, it was, it was dance music basically. Um, so it wasn't actually my, the music I was completely passionate about. And mm -hmm. I had, you know, like many people have very, you know, wide, uh, spread taste in music and, Right about that time, I guess it was like in the, I don't even remember when, but shortly after this whole acid jazz thing came out, you know, the, yeah. the, the scene and the, the scene in England was more interesting to me. You know, the, some of the American releases were a little silly, but, um, you know, that was a tongue in cheek uh, genre uh, moniker by Giles Peterson, as you probably know, like they asked him, what, what kind of music are you playing? And he just made it up and he said acid jazz, but he was, yeah. there is no such thing really. It was just anything that his taste um, spoke mm -hmm. to. And so I kind of got into that scene cause it was broad based and I'm like, oh, I like some of these bands, you know, I like uh, the Talking Loud records and Moax, which was mm -hmm. early trip hop and um, a lot of stuff. So United Future Organization, I really liked. Um, so that kind of opened my mind to expanding into other styles of music. One of the things you know, that breaks me up when I go to a jazz club, I go, you know, I go to a jazz club first to hear the music, 
But second of all, and, and this is a very important. You know, I, I guess where I was going with that is that that uh, you know it's we're we're sort of like there's the influences we know about, and then there's the ones that maybe sort of creep in. Um, and so I wonder, you know, as you've gone on and, and, you know, really learned your style and your taste, how, how conscious are you of what might be influencing you? You know, I talk to some people who are like, when I'm making music, I don't listen to other stuff because I don't want it in there. I'm the um, same way. I, I, right? I listen these days to very little music from other people because I don't want to focus on their music. You know, I sure. want to focus on the the stuff. I feel, feel like in my lifetime, I've listened to so much music and tape recorded in my brain. Um, but um, I am always walking around with like Shazam and stuff. Like if I hear a track that I actually like, I need to know what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it also could be, look, I'm not going to lie. We all steal, right? So it could be a chord progression in a song mm -hmm. that I like. I heard a song the other day. I can't tell you who it was, but it was a soul song, but it had a great chord progression. I'm like, you know, that, that's a cool chord progression. I'd like to do something along those lines. Never exactly yeah. the same, but sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're all influenced by so many things. No one's doing totally original stuff. You know, it's, yeah. it's just a combination of things that came before, you know? Yeah. So, so kind of in that beginning stage, when, when did you guys realize with the recorporation that, that you had something like you, you talked about the kind of big break, like when was that, you know, was there a moment where you looked at each other like, yeah, this is it. We're, yeah. we're, we're doing this. For me, um, I think it was when our, we released our album, which was about a year after we started releasing singles. Then we released an album, which I guess we printed vinyl and CD, and we did 5,000 copies of the CD. And we borrowed money from a friend and, and paid him a lot of VIG <laughs> for the money. And, uh, and they sold really quickly. And we blew through like 5,000 CDs. And then we had some money to press some more. And, and yeah. then those sold. And we're like, wow, people really want to consume our music and they want to have it. And yeah. I think that was the moment where it wasn't that we were making so much cash from it or even that wasn't the point, but we realized it was sustainable. Yeah. And um, I think at very sh so shortly after Rob quit his day job, which was with his dad's company, which he, he didn't want to work there anyway. And <laughs> we started, we were full-time, you know, musician producers at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting, right? Cause you, you start kind of like with this idea in your head and, and, you know, I, I'm not a musician, but I imagine there's a lot of insecurity in that relationship, right? Like you, you want to make stuff, you, you know, you want people to love it. You don't know necessarily how, how, how it's going to connect with people. And then I think when it does, you know, I wonder, so is that, um, you know, does that fill you with confidence to, to go out and, and keep going? Does it add pressure? Um, you know, well, it, or is it, it all it, of the above? It, all of the above. Cause it initially fills you with confidence and, um, sometimes overconfidence. So you have to check mm -hmm. yourself on that. Um, but, then you have to do it again, you know? So like when we released a uh, mirror conspiracy, we, I remember we were talking together alone in the studio and we both were saying, you know, this record is pretty feminine in a way. And, and it, it's a bit of a departure from the first record. I hope people like it, you know, but that was it. I mean, there's nothing we could do. We were going to release yeah. the record, but we didn't, yeah. we weren't even sure if people would like it. And then when they liked that one, you know, we felt like, okay, you know, we have some sort of sensibility that, you know, sure. that connects with people, you know? But. Yeah. So I read a quote, you said that I'm a, I'm a big believer in artists only making music, only making art for themselves. Mm. Um, yes. and, and it's kind of, kind of what you're talking about. Right. And I think it's great. That's a great sentiment after it's done to go, Oh, I hope people like it. So, but t teach me how to do that. <laughs> right. How do you how do you how do you keep the world out and the expectations out and especially now when you know you have direct access to fans they have direct access to you as right. much as you each allow each other in right and and I think you know for uh, for an artist's career that that's that part is becoming more and more important 
right? Is yeah. you know, fan engagement for lack of a better word, right? Um, so, so how do you do that? How do you maintain the the borders around your creativity when you need to? Well, I mean, I, I feel like that's an excellent question and it's a hard one to answer, but it is, you know, something that I personally, you know, deal with, you know, today, every day. Um, for myself, I feel like there are many things we have to do in life and some of them I'm better than than others. For some reason, when it comes to artistic um, endeavors, I'm very, very, very confident. Like, I just believe in what I believe in. And mm -hmm. that helps me in that way. It hasn't mm -hmm. hurt me that I know of. Um, not everybody feels that way. And then I think those people need somebody in their life to, to kind of be a sounding board and, 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 and really, like, kind of give them a pep talk, you know, um, yeah. encourage them. Um, everybody needs encouragement, right? And and I sure. get that sometimes from like my engineer that I'm working with, or mm -hmm. or or of course Rob, you know, if we're working together in the studio. Um, but even that, like you know, we don't really pep talk each other. Like we just, if we don't like it, if one of us doesn't like it when we're working together, that's it. You just move on. Um, yeah. So working alone is much harder because it's all on you, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. You just have to have like a bit of an inner like motherfucker about you, you know, where you're like, nice. all right, you know, <laughs> screw you all. I like this, you know, and I'm doing this because I like it. And I, you have to remind yourself of that. Check it out, Rebels. I want you to know about a new app called Get Upside. Please help me welcome them to the show. It's a cash back app that's giving you cash back on your everyday purchases like gas, restaurants, groceries. Over $1 million a week is being earned by GetUpside users. You could be making money too. Use the promo code REBEL and get a 25 cent bonus per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. Just download the app for free. Use the promo code REBEL. You can cash out anytime to your bank account. It's easy to use and it's real cash. Uh, you, can, you can put it to your bank account, PayPal, Amazon gift card. Just download the free Get Upside app and use my promo code Rebel to get up to fifty cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code Rebel. I mean, I feel like as a listener, and I and I, you know, I'm sure this is not true, but I feel like you can tell when the artist isn't worried about your approval. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know I think I mean? so. And uh, like I said, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of exceptions to that, like, uh, it, you know, one way or the other, but, but, but it feels like it comes through that there's an attitude that comes through. Well, this concept of approval is very interesting because like today in our world, it does seem like people seek approval more than ever. So that would affect you know, music making and, and, sure. and all of that. And then you think about records like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and some really out there records where you, you realize they were not seeking someone's approval. They were really going, you know, deep into yeah. some tangent that they, yeah. you know, that, that, that really spoke to them. And I think that's where the most interesting music is probably comes from is when people just, you know, just listen to themselves or their tight knit group of people that they're working with. Um, mm -hmm. Like no offense to pop music. Uh, Cause I like a lot of pop music from the past mostly, but, mm -hmm. but it's not interesting to me because like, there's been so many amazing pop songs written, done, right. you know, that, that style of music, it, it's hard to contribute to it. You know, I actually think about like, well, where can I contribute to music in general? You know? Yeah. And um, it's probably more in like an experimental way, you know. It's interesting. I um, I find like yeah, I I catch I you know I think I don't like pop music, and then I catch myself usually with pop music from the seventies and eighties, loving you know their songs that I love, and and sometimes I wonder, you know, is it me or is it them or you know it's a, <laughs> like, you know, we always think that we always think that our music, whatever that it is, is better 
Yes. Um, but I think a lot of it's us, right? It's, you know, we were at a certain time in our lives when we discovered that stuff and it just, you know, it's carry, carries more meaning. It's totally true. Yeah. <laughs> as um, much as we don't want to admit it and say that the music from, you know, our generation, you know, when we were right. teenagers or whatever, so much better. Um, but so you, you mentioned, you know, your partnership with Rob, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit and kind of where where that's gone. But um, but obviously, you know, uh, you guys were hugely successful and, and, you know, had a long lasting partnership that I assume, I assume has served you both really well in, in certain ways. Absolutely. Um, so thinking back to that and maybe the beginning of that or, or, or along the way, what are the things, you know, if, what are things that you guys did right as partners uh, that really made that work? And, and, you know, what are some things maybe that you would tell me if I were starting a partnership, you know, to, to do differently or to watch out for? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, well, I think on the doing right side, uh, there, there's a lot of respect, mutual respect in the partnership. So that is good. Um, we also give each other a lot of space. So that is also good. You know, we're not breathing down each other's necks. We're both very different people and we mm -hmm. respect that difference. Um, also, the fact that we're very different, I think, benefited our partnership tremendously over the years. Um, you know, I kind of am like a workaholic, like studio rat, and I do other things too. Like, on, you know, so I have two full-time jobs and Rob's more laid back and kind of like goes with the experience more and sort of likes to hang out. And he likes mm -hmm. to travel a lot more than I do, although I do enjoy travel, but um so we're very different in that way. Um, and then, yeah, I think those are like the main positives. Um, mm -hmm. The negative, there really are no negatives with our partnership other than it's just really hard to keep a partnership together for, you know, multiple decades. Right. Sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, we're probably at that point now where, you know, he's doing solo stuff. I'm doing solo stuff. I really don't know if there will ever be another thievery record. Cause like logistically, mm -hmm. I just don't see it happening. Um, mm -hmm. But um, you know, so we might be talking about a partnership that exists mostly in the past. Um, mm -hmm. Although we haven't announced any breakups or anything and, you know, Fair we're not enough. really into that kind of drama. Um, yeah. So I can only really say only really positive, great things. That's why, you know, we thievery corporation has been around for 25 years is because yeah. the partnership was so good and healthy and, you know, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, that, that in itself is an achievement. Um, uh, uh, was there a moment when you realized, or you both realized, you know, it was time to go do solo projects? Um, no, well, yeah, different times. So uh, Rob did something in the mid 2000s. He did a rock project called Dust Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And he poured a lot of creativity and time into that. And so that was a, you know, definitely a solo effort. Um, for me, I had I always felt like I was so lucky to be part of one successful musical project that all of the sketches that I had, I just sort of piled them up for Thievery Corporation. And yeah. plus the music I make is just very, it's Thievery Corporation, you know, that's just kind of stuff I make. So, um, you know, I didn't feel like I wanted to do the solo stuff then. A couple years ago, I really felt like it was time to wind Thievery Corporation down. But Rob and I, you know, we kind of disagree about that in a healthy way. So, mm -hmm. I, but he was making his own stuff. So I said, listen, man, you should go do your solo stuff now because this is a good time. And you should, yeah. you should pour yourself into that. I was not actually thinking of doing solo stuff. Um, I, I dabble with a reggae project with my friend and I did this other Echo Dome project with another friend just for fun. And then I started working at home alone um, a couple years ago, and I just got hooked. I just started composing music on my own. I'm like, this is fantastic. I love it. And I, nice. I think that's all I'll ever do from now on. Like, it's mm -hmm. really weird how 
that bug hit me so late, but you know, that's what I'm doing. Sure. Sure. Um, so, so how's it different writing on your own? You know, it's, I don't know. It's a very meditative process for me. It's a very, it's like probably the most peaceful thing that I get to do. Um, Mm. And uh, I don't get to do it as often as I'd like, but maybe that's good because, you know, then I, I, I get a little bit of build up and, and um, you know, I want to do it when I get the time. Sure. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's like being a painter. You know, I think like when you're a, an artist, a, most of the time when you're an artist, you want to work alone. Mm. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mm. want to paint with somebody else, right? With music, it's a little bit different, but these days, I I don't know, I can play keys well enough to, you know, play keys for myself and I can play guitar and bass and, you know, do all those things. So, I mean, I'm not the best, but if it sucks, I'll get my guitar player friends to come in and overdub, you know? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think there's still this kind of like, you know, the lineage of a rock band or a, or an R&B act, right? That's like, you know, you play the guitar, I play the drums, you know, yeah. we each we each do our thing and, and it all fits together as opposed to, you know, synthesized programmed music where um, there is no reason that one person can't do it as well or better than, than a collaboration. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, like if thievery were, if thievery were a band, we would have broken up a long time ago. You know, (laughs) bands are just so hard to keep together. Now we are a band when we play live, which is one of the incredible things of thievery corporation is that somehow through myself and Rob, not being able to do our music live, we just threw players on stage with us and then it kind of worked, you know, so we've created this live performance and and that's great but if all those people were actually making the decisions we make there would be no corporation we'd be done and they're great people but there's just too many opinions you know i mean that is uh you know my my friends and bands who you know i I don't know how they make it work you know year after year i mean you Um, must know people in pretty successful bands yeah for sure and and i'm i'm always blown away that that you know the uh you know First of all, that they're just able to to maintain the relationships that they have, yeah. and secondly, um, that they can do it, you know, successfully, you know, on a on a commercial scale in front of millions of people, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it is it is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, so many bands end up like where all the members hate each other, and each person has their own tour bus. And like, totally. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's. I've I've developed a lot of empathy for that, right? Like I get how hard yeah. it is. Yeah. And I get, you know, I'm in a in a, I think 18 year now marriage, and and that's incredibly <laughs> hard and great, and it's you know. Yeah. Any but any being in any a band is kind of like being married. Sure. Absolutely. Except for you have millions yeah. of people watching every step, and you know, yeah, and gossip right. and rumors and and all that stuff, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's crazy. So you mentioned you have two full time jobs. Is that are we? Is that the club? The I do hospitality venues yeah. uh, with primarily my brother and some other partners. Um, yeah. So yeah, at, from 18th Street Lounge. I mean, I with that partnership, I I'm sort of on the design concept build side, and then mm-hmm. luckily, then I can piece out. Um, but uh, yeah, I've probably designed and built like 20 restaurants and bars you know oh, wow. all, in, all in dc the dc area Amazing. and I'm, yeah. I'm still like thick in that game you know um so yeah i mean for the the studio was at 18th street lounge that was like my mm-hmm. first club and yeah. um it was there so for how, a couple of years so how does the what are you what are the lessons from the hospitality business that you brought to your music or to your your career as a musician i got into both making music and the hospitality business by being a dj so i guess with enough healthy arrogance 
I felt like, oh, I could make that music. And then on the other side, I said, well, I could open a club, you know, instead of DJing at someone else's club. So, you know, that's kind of, those are the two paths that I went down and they, they were really um, complimentary in the 18th street lounge days because of, you know, I was DJing three nights a week at that club. I could test the recorporation music on the sound system, which was really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And I could also work in a session with Rob. And then right after the session's over, I could, you know, hang out at the club and make sure everything's okay. So (laughs) there's no waste of time, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know, in my mind, I think to some extent we're all in the hospitality business. Yeah. Right. In that, in that if, if you have clients or customers or fans or whatever, you are in part responsible for creating experience for them. Right. Or, or to some extent your success is defined by those experiences. Um, and so I, you know, I don't know. I, I think if I had to guess, I think that serves you whether it's directly related or not. Um, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And also respecting the people that are, you know, your customer, whether, you know, for a podcast or a magazine or a restaurant, you know, yeah. I mean, those people are entrusting their time with you. So better give them something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talk about moving uh, out of the city. How how does that um, has that impacted your creative process at all? I mean, it definitely has. I mean, I'm very much a city person, um, but yeah, you know, my wife and I obviously were riding out the pandemic, you know, in a very um, urban part of DC, um, very um, congested part, and it just got depressing you know i mean all the bars and clubs were closed and just it, it, I was, it so then we started looking for an escape hatch and we were looking in these mountain areas in virginia about an hour and a half away and we couldn't really find the right place and then this this place that we were very aware of just became for rent and we, we were like okay and it was this bizarre cabin in my old hometown of potomac where i kind of grew up on the river not expensive and it was uh you know just a beautiful spot with a river view and uh, we went to look cool. at it and just took it right away and uh it's kind of the coolest place i've ever lived and just really wow. enjoyed it. yeah yeah but um, it is in the suburbs technically it's like exurbs you know almost country sure. but um so yeah, it is weird living that, out there. so do you find that, does the environment kind of impact your mindset when you're when you're writing making music yeah, it's just more peaceful. You know, it's just looking at, um, I do have this one trick. I even did it at eight, uh, 18th Street Lounge. We would, I would just look out the window and like, if you if you could see like the sky is, is really beautiful that day or whatever, and you see a beautiful sky, if your song is not complimenting that picture, you're, you're off base, you know? Mm-hmm. Like your music has to level up to whatever beautiful scenery you have. So mm-hmm. obviously more mm-hmm. challenging, more beautiful, full scenery and i i do that with uh right now i'm kind of making an ambient record sort of almost like brian eno genre. oh wow yeah just just nice. for fun and i'm i'm definitely looking out at the river and the nature a lot and if if they go hand in hand then i know i'm on the right track what's up y'all i want to let you know about a new app called get upside Users are earning more than $1 million a week cash back on purchases like gas, groceries, restaurants, and you can be too. Anyone who buys gas needs to know about GetUpside. Use the promo code REBEL for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. It's real easy to use and it's real cash and it adds up quickly. Use the promo code REBEL and you'll get $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card with Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code REBEL to get $0.25 per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code REBEL.
so yeah tell me about what's I, I know there's there's a new album dropping. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it seems like you have you have multiple projects this year coming out. Um, so tell me a little bit about the plan, what what's coming, and and how you're how you're envisioning all that unfolding. Um, well, short term, you know, uh, the third album uh, ceremony comes out on August 20th, which you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I have like competing projects musically that I'm working on. Like I'll jump around like doing stuff that sounds very like Saldaje, the Thievery record, you know, sound mm -hmm. like it belongs on that. Or I'll do very heavy electronic music one day or, or even for 30 minutes and then I'll switch gears. And so I kind of put sketches in different categories and then whatever seems to be progressing the fastest, I'll usually finish that first mm. so strangely this ambient record has been very inspiring for me the last few weeks and i feel like it's almost finished and nice. you know, obviously that's like four or five songs right because each song sure. is very long and um right. but uh so that'll probably be you know in the fall and then uh i've been doing a lot of stuff that is a little bit more like future soul uh trip hop meets like ltj bookum kind of stuff that mm -hmm. is a little bit more slick but soulful um i have quite a bit of that so that will become a project at some point but and is the feeling that fans can handle sort of you know different sounds and styles or is or is it to not care about that and I don't care anymore, but one thing I've always um, thanked the Thievery fans for, and I've always been amazed at how much leeway they did allow Thievery, you know, genre-wise, and still remain fans, right? Because, yes. you know, when you're doing kind of a heavy dub-type track, and then you're doing these, like, bossa, easy-listening tracks... A lot of people would think that's a complete disconnect and, you know, right. it throws them off, right? But it didn't seem to throw people off, you know? I think people understood, like, we weren't in a tight box. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, first of all, our, you know, age group's attachment to genre is very different than young people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a... My son's about to be 12 and, like... He doesn't, I mean, he thinks he likes house music, but he, he doesn't care what kind of music, you know, which, yeah. what the label is on it, right? Um, and I think that's very different for us, right? We grew up in, right. in a culture that was very much defined by genre. Um, sure, yeah, definitely. But I, but I also think, you know, to your point, like, thievery fans, you know, are, you know, outside of the mainstream that was that was so much defined by like radio formats right and yeah. um and we you know we're we're club culture where you know you may be jumping genres or jumping you know time periods or right that that's the beauty of dj culture is that it's it's mixing and you know blending things that you maybe didn't expect to go together yeah absolutely um, so yeah that that doesn't surprise me I, I, that that fans would allow it i think it's it's um i think you know people are probably down for the journey yeah and and to your earlier point when you know when it's delivered with confidence and conviction and, and meaning right that you know that that all becomes easier to swallow yeah yeah i totally agree um so is tell me about montserrat house Oh, Montserrat House. Well, it, it, there's a physical place called Montserrat House. Um, it's, it's just this crazy art loft that um, is surrounded by a bunch of like little hospitality places that we did, um, like bars and some restaurants. And it's right across from 930 Club. So it has a great um, location. And it was, I, I don't know, I just, I, I was obsessed with that place. Um, it was an old, the original Montserrat house was an old head shop um, owned by these guys from Montserrat, the island that had the volcanic eruption. And um, they would sell weed out of there and they had a little reggae uh, compound going on where they would have live concerts in the backyard and all kinds of stuff. And 
So in my youth, I would always see it. I really never went there. I know people who bought weed there. It closed up for many years. And then through some strange turn of events, I ended up leasing it from uh, this very nice woman. And, you know, we, we just always called it Montserrat house. Cause that's, that's what we knew it as. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, at one point it became thievery studio for temple of I and I and treasures from the temple. Um, those records were made at Montserrat house and um, it, it just has mad vibes. Like the place is cool. And we've had uh, Moby is, um, perform there acoustically and we've a lot of people have come through there and done fun things and but you know right now during the shutdown it's just filled with restaurant furniture and it's a story <laughs> it's so hard to look at it you know but course, you yeah. know we started a, a, a label I say we you know it was, I guess it's really me but um, I, I just in tribute you know the label is called Montserrat House um, yeah that was sort of the last thievery studio you know Nice. It's not even a studio right now. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, look, I, I mean, I think, you know, as much as things are, are opening up, it seems like, uh, you know, people are excited to have the opportunity to reconnect in person and to be, you know, to be in the place to be wherever that is. Um, so hopefully that's going to come back and be a great thing. And I think, um you know, it's interesting the the dynamic between the label and the physical space, um, and so yeah, be interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we can't do this forever. <laughs> you no, know? I mean, I don't know. In LA, I mean, I, I saw the news recently, but I feel like people just can't. It can't continue. I mean. Yeah. No, I mean, we're, look, we're fully open uh, with masks, you yeah. know, you know, but, you know, we went to we went to an Insomniac show two weeks ago. We went to a festival, saw some house music with five or ten thousand other people. And, and awesome. it was amazing. And it was, yeah. you know, the energy of people who you could just feel were appreciative of the opportunity to be be together. Yeah. Um, and you know, frankly, that's that's how it always should be, and that's been the the power of music to bring people together in that way. So, you know, I yeah. think there's, I think that that kind of healing is is coming, and hopefully, we'll see more and more of it. People need it really bad. I mean, but yeah, yeah. you're right. It's right around the corner, so I'm pretty yeah. excited about that. Right on. Um, well, cool. Well, I, I got to get to a quick lightning round before I let you go. Okay. Um, so uh, tell me uh, your favorite city to travel to. Oh, man, that's a really tough one. But just I'm going to say Rome right now. This is last time I was in Rome, I just fell in love with that city. So oh, that's great. I love it there. Um, yeah, it's like it's like a it's a it's a walking museum, right? Just yeah. Everywhere you look is every corner. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah. Totally. Um, who's your favorite DJ? Ooh, well, uh, Rich Medina comes to mind. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he's one of many favorites, but I was thinking about him when we were talking about DJs and um, eclectic mixing and stuff. So I'll, Rich Medina's up there. That's great. What's the last great book you read or listened to? Man, it has been a while since I have even read a book, which is weird because um, usually I would read 20 to 30 a year. Um, yeah. I would say maybe The Geography of Nowhere by James Howard Kunstler. It's a sort of a okay. it's a civil engineering book, but it's funny. And it's mm. kind of about how American society is laid out geographically. Yeah. His stuff is really great. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Um, what movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Uh, uh, probably two Italian movies. Once again, uh, probably La Dolce Vita and the grand beauty uh, the great beauty, the great beauty. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, both, both set in Rome. So there you go. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're, Something we're about Rome a theme. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Who's somebody you've learned a lot from that you haven't met? Oh, man. Uh, well, 
let's see, I was about to say somebody, but I've met him. I don't know him. Um, learned that from I haven't met. Um, I've had the good fortune of meeting the two people who have inspired me the most. Uh, so, but I don't know them well. So Paul, Paul Weller and Ian Mackay. So Paul Weller, um, more for the, the style, the longevity of his career and the style council years. Cause that was a very mm -hmm. eclectic, I, I, I said to somebody before, um, not too long ago that that kind of inspired thievery a little bit. Cause it at least opened our, I, our minds to the fact that you can have a project and be very eclectic. Mm. Um, that was a very eclectic project, the style council. And then Ian yeah. Mackay because of this, the DC punk thing and the DIY do it yourself, never signed to a label, create your own label, um, mm -hmm. discord records, which was his rec is his record label. Um, mm -hmm. just that incredible, um, impact on me and Rob. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's amazing now the explosion of, you know, independent music in which obviously, you know, you guys and people in, in our world have been doing for, for decades. Uh, but you know, the whole, the whole world is waking up to, to those ideas. Yeah. Um, and starting to think outside of the label system in ways that, you know, were, were either not possible or weren't, uh, didn't seem comfortable to people up until yeah. recently. It's exciting. I think, you know, as much as it's, I don't know, it's, it's maybe hard in some ways to get excited about music now. Uh, possibly I get find it hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I, me too. Yeah. But, um, but we're also not 16 when you're supposed yeah. to be like the most excited about music. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the, um, the possibilities are, you know, uh, exponentially getting more and more interesting. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, is there anything that, that, uh, you you've discovered recently that's been really exciting musically yeah um, yeah yeah or maybe in general in art and whatever but yeah i was thinking musically uh you know actually i mean other than individual songs which you know i can't even uh name yeah. for you there's there's no particular music project that's really caught my ear in the last couple years yeah. um I mean, I do like those guys that, that uh, I don't know, never even know how to pronounce their name, like Krugenbaum or, you know, uh -huh. the, the trio from Houston that basically yeah. they're playing like Thai psych rock, you know, but with their own, you know, twist on it. I mean, they're hugely sure. popular, you know, for, you know, a trio and I think they're really mm -hmm. good. But mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, I'm, you know. I'm just kind of like caught in my own record collection at the moment. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Uh, I, I have yeah. a feeling you might be the same way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 I kind of swing back and forth. Like I, I like discovering new music mm -hmm. always have. Um, and there's a part of me that feels like I should to kind of stay on top of things. But I also realize you know, you're never going to stay on top of it. Now there's just way too much of it. And I'm also yeah. not going to waste my life listening to a bunch of garbage that I have no interest in. Right. right. Um, or that, you know, is not for me, whatever. Um, well, you probably, so, I mean, I guess on Spotify and stuff, these, these playlists serve as like today's version of the compilation, but man, yeah. I, as somebody who made a lot of compilations in the past on, you know, our label, I mean, I just, I just loved compilations, you know, cause they turned yeah. on to so much new music totally. and, and yeah, we're really missing that. I think, uh, I don't think that the playlists are really cutting it, you know, because anyone can make a playlist. Right. So. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I mean, I still listen to DJ mixes, yeah. you know, uh, whether it's on Mixcloud or SoundCloud or, you know, whatever, right. If they're DJs that I like and respect, I still want to hear what they're putting together. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, for me, I'm less interested in the algorithmic playlist that, you know, um, are designed to keep you listening. Right. So it's, it's gotta kind of be good enough and, and, yeah. and similar enough to, 
whatever. And I think, you know, it's cool on the one hand that that stuff exists. Mm -hmm. I also think it's not really for me. And yeah, and yeah I'd rather dig in my, my own crates mm -hmm. and find something that I love. It's funny, I w you know, I woke up this morning hearing the fix in my head. Uh, <laughs> one, one thing leads to another. Yeah, and, yeah, and, right. like, and I put that song on and I was like, this makes me so happy. Yeah, like, I just I love this record. It's a good song. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is yeah. right. And you know, and and I had a moment where I was like reflecting on myself of like just how happy hearing that song in that moment made me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is the point of all of this, right? It's not just to have something on in the background. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, last question: If I worked for you. What's something I would hear you say over and over? Oh, man. Um, well, what would you hear me say? I don't know. I don't have like a lot of catchphrases, but I've been known to change my mind. Like, <laughs> like a just frustrating amount of times for people who work for me. So I, right? I will say one thing one day very emphatically and the next day I'll say, you know, I've been thinking about it and I'm going to need a little bit more time. And yeah, sure. I, I'm a, a little all over the place. So, um, so maybe okay. uh, I've changed my mind is something you <laughs> heard me say. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. I think that's, you know, hopefully your people can, can get that about you and anticipate that that yeah, might be gotten used to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's good. Um, that's good training for, I think the rest of life where, you know, life throws curveball at us. Yeah. That we weren't expecting. Sure. Yeah. Well, man, thanks so much for spending time with me. It was really fun Absolutely. talking to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, excited to hear the rest of what's coming. Cool. Um, and it, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of great stuff headed our way. So we'll definitely be following that. Awesome. All right. Well, um, talk again soon. Yeah, that was Eric Hilton on rebel radio i hope you enjoyed it i know i did make sure you check out ceremony on spotify apple youtube wherever you stream music um and make sure you keep watching for all of eric's music that uh, seems like we're going to get blessed with quite a bit coming up let us know what you thought hit us on twitter or facebook it's at rebel radio net you can find videos of a lot of our interviews on our youtube channel and most importantly come back next week for more rebel radio peace